Know that God is in control. He's in control of everything. And even when you live a life that looks like it's it's chaotic and, and there's no sense or no purpose, with the Lord there is a purpose to everything. And never compare your pain. Healing is hard and forgiveness is possible with Jesus Christ. Healing is hard, it is. If someone tells you that the healing journey is easy, but let me tell you something, the fruit that the Lord will produce, if you are willing to stay the course with Him, is ripe, amazing fruit that only He can do. Hello and welcome to Candid, where we never settle for less than the truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Youssef. Each week, we'll tackle tough issues, answer your hard questions, and take a candid look at the Christian faith. When we enter a new year, we tend to look forward and make resolutions based on where we want to go. However, do you take time to reflect on all that the Lord has done in you and through you and for you? Do you think about all the ways He is transforming and restoring you? Today's guest overflows with gratitude for the Lord's transforming work in her life. Instead of being filled with bitterness and grief, she is overflowing with faith in the future God has for her. Today, I'm blessed to welcome Ashley Pope Todorova to Candid Conversations. Ashley runs a ministry called Ladies Who Love Christ that has over 5,000 members in over 40 countries and has since expanded to women's conferences, in-person, and online weekly Bible studies. She hosts a weekend radio show on Faith Talk Atlanta on 590 and 970 AM, as well as on all your major platforms like iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Ashley has a background as a health and nutrition coach and is a co-owner of A&A Wellness with her husband, Alex. I invite you to join me today as Ashley opens up and tells of her incredible story of restoration, a story that has a raw beginning of abuse and loss, but rings so clearly and beautifully of restoration, how the Lord led her to hope in Him amidst darkness. Also, please help others discover Candid Conversations by leaving a review and rating on your favorite podcast platform. It helps our team tremendously. Now to the conversation. Well, Ashley Pope Todorova, I've worked very hard on my pronunciation of your last name. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on Candid Conversations. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Ashley, you, uh, I think it was about a year ago, you shared your story and your testimony with uh, a women's group uh, through the church that I work with here. And my wife came back and she said, you're not going to believe this woman's testimony. And she essentially walked me through it uh, step by step. And I just, I could couldn't believe it. And so then when we started the podcast, you're one of the first names that we talked about having uh, come on our program and, and talk about the way that Christ has um, worked in your life and, and, and brought you to himself and the way that he's yeah. using you even today. Some of our listeners will be familiar with your ministry. You have uh, a radio broadcast on WNIV here in Atlanta. But uh, for those who may not, because we have an international audience, yeah. um, if you could just introduce yourself to us and, and kind of walk us a little bit through your, your early years in life. 
Absolutely. Thanks. Well, first off, thank you for having me. Pleasure. I'm very excited to be. I actually listened to a few of the podcasts, so I really enjoyed it. Just the it. good ones. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed it, and I'm just so glad to, to be back here. And um, my name, yes, is Ashley Pope Todorova. I am just uh, thrilled to be here. The Lord has been so good to me in my mm-hmm. life, and uh, He taught me lessons, tangible lessons about His love and His forgiveness and His tenderness and His grace and His mercy. Um, through deep pain. Um, and so he's also uh, given me a desire in my heart to share that with people because I think it's really easy to want to just sort of shut off and to build walls and to ignore um, the things that, you know, maybe we've lived through. Yeah. Um, so he has really uh, walked me through and he still is walking me through. Right. <laughs> Let me not say like I've arrived. Until he's done with us, right? 100% yeah. we yeah. will never arrive. Um, but as a, my testimony in a, in a nutshell is as a little girl, um, I was taken from my mother. Uh, I was almost five years old. Uh, my mother, uh, it became known that she had a mental illness, schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, I had two younger brothers, and uh, my father was in the picture, but traveling. He was in the service, so he wasn't there. Uh, and so my mother was, you know, caring for these young children and um, deeply suffering from this mental illness, and nobody knew it. Um, so just a series of events kind of started to happen that raised a lot of red flags that something is not right, we need to kind of intervene. I was getting out of the house at a very young age, making my way like a mile down the road to a neighbor's house who would make me biscuits and gravy, and I figured out, hey, that's a good deal, so I started to do that over and over. Um, But little things that were uh, actually really big things, and they started to realize, hey, there's a problem. So that's kind of where uh, DCF at the time came in and said, all right, we need to intervene. Mm. Um, where is this geographically? Where are you? So this was in North Carolina okay. at the time. Yes, it was in North Carolina. My mother was born and raised in the mountains of North Carolina, a tiny little town mm. um, called Marion. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people don't know about it. Sure. It's not far from Asheville. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of where my story started. And uh, she, at the time, just dealing with all of the things she was dealing with mentally, they determined that this is not a safe environment for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father, again, was you know, very involved but in the service and traveling and not there. Um, he did end up getting honorable discharge to be able to get out and kind right. of fix this situation as much as he could. Right. Um, so long story short, we were taken out of the home and we were put in foster care. So at about five years old until about seven, somewhere in that time frame, I was in foster care in several homes during that time. And I often recall, Jonathan, that part of my testimony as being particularly traumatic because by the age of five, like you know your parents and you know your mommy and you know, and to be uprooted and placed in a different home. I remember the homes vividly and I remember the trauma of it and just feeling so confused. Mm-hmm. Um, but long story short, I was placed in foster care while the families sort of figured out what they were gonna do. And at about seven years old, my father's family got custody of us. And we were able to go and be with my father's side of the family, which was in Florida. So I ended up going from North Carolina, five to seven, to Florida. And from that point on, Jonathan, it was sort of a, it was a divide and conquer. (laughs) There was a lot of kids and it was like the family sort of just all kind of dove in to help. 
and they said, okay. I had a, an uncle right. that lived in Texas, okay. and that's my dad's brother. Okay. And so him and his wife um, offered to basically take care of me. And so from Florida, at eight years old, I went to live with my aunt and uncle in Texas. Uh, and I was with them until I was 12. And during that time, my uncle's very um, high up in the company that he works for, I'm still with them, travels the world all over. He was never home. And um, which was, you know, I remember Jonathan being so excited at that point in my life, thinking there's such a mix of emotions being taken from your mom. But then I was here living with my aunt and uncle at eight years old, coming mm. out of foster care. And I remember thinking, I'm going to have a mom. Yeah. Well, do I call her mom? Do I not call her mom? Like all of these little things that go through your head as a little girl. Uh, my uncle, again, was never home. And the mom figure that I thought I was going to have, I didn't end up having. Um, she was very, very abusive in a lot of ways. Um, she did a lot of uh, very strong disciplinary techniques. Um, if I didn't wake up on time, she would pour ice water on my face to wake me up. I wore my pajamas to school. Um, if I spilled dog food feeding the dogs, I would have to eat dog food. Um, really crazy, crazy, crazy things. And so you can imagine that at that age, they say a little girl develops her self-esteem by the age of eight. You can imagine where I was at that point. So I couldn't really uh, take it anymore. And I had a conversation with my grandmother, my dad's mom, and they were, it was kind of like code language because I couldn't really talk much sure, around yeah, her. Yeah. Um, I always had anxiety and I had just... Fear. I had so many things living with her for four years, enduring these things. There was worse, but we, you know, I think that's enough for today's testimony. Mm -hmm. um, at 12 years old, I was taken out of their home. Mm -hmm. um, I actually came back to Florida on a summer vacation, and I knew that I was never going to be going back. I was very thankful. I remember getting on the plane that day and thinking, okay, you know, and, and I look back at my testimony, and I think, it's almost like looking back at somebody else's I, life. Like a movie or it's something. It's like watching right? a yeah. movie in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm strong, I'm gonna get through this. And I know now that that is 100% the Lord, but it was like, okay, what's the next thing? I can do this, I can get through it. So I ended up going to live with my dad's parents, my grandparents, from 12 until 16 years old. And I don't want to make it sound like my life was this horrible, horrible. I had so many challenges and abuses in my life. But let me be clear to say woven throughout that were moments of goodness and moments of, um, but it was more surviving and pain than anything else. Um, so during the 12 to 16 years of my you know, age living with my grandparents, uh, my grandfather, it became clear he had a, a sexual addiction. And so for four years, I went through a lot of different types of sexual like abuses because of that dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And at 16, I couldn't really like take it anymore. The line was crossed too far one day and uh, DCF got involved and I was put back in foster care from 16 until 18. And Jonathan, at that point in my life, I, as much as I had this positive outlook, like I'm strong, I'll get through, you can do this. By the age of 16, you know, 
especially having noted that little girls develop their self-esteem by the age of eight. Um, by the age of 16, at that point, especially given the sexual abuses, I did not value myself. Mm. I had a lot of abandonment. I had a lot of deep-rooted anger. I had a lot of hurt. I was not living rightly. I fell away from the Lord. I will share my story of coming to know Jesus when I was a little girl, and I thank the Lord that I was able to come to know Him at that time, but I fell away from Him because I felt like, how much more can I take? Like, in my childhood, I'd never lived in a place more than four years and always with different people. At 16, I was back in foster care, acting out, didn't value my body. I was not doing things, you know, the biblical way that the Lord, you know, everything in the Word of God, I say this especially to young ladies now, everything in the Word of God is for our goodness and to protect us and because He loves us. And uh, I ended up getting pregnant while I was in foster care. And I hid my pregnancy because at the time in Florida, um, your child can become a ward of the state. And I did not want that. So I hid my pregnancy and passed it off as weight gain. I can't believe I was able to do that. And I aged out of foster care on the day that I turned 18, six months pregnant. And that's my childhood. That is my story. And the Lord used, in a lot of ways, my daughter, who I, uh, that, that is still a, a story that the Lord is writing out. His hand is still in that, but we've not, you know, we're, there's no relationship there right now. Um, but he you put used, her up for adoption. I gave my daughter up for adoption. Yeah. So I aged out at six months pregnant and I, the Lord used her to really like bring me to the end of myself in the sense that I knew in that moment, carrying life, mm. I knew I am repeating cycles. I knew that, and I 100% attribute any wisdom or clarity I had at that young, vulnerable age to the Lord, because He gave me the strength to realize that, hey, this is your chance to do the right thing, to bless her life and to give her a better life, and that was at the forefront of my mind. So uh, through a friend of a friend, um, I came to know the family that would adopt my daughter, and I finished high school uh, in a school for pregnant teens. And I, <laughs> like the very end of school, I ended up flying to Scottsdale, Arizona. And I gave birth to my little girl. And we're nearing 22 years ago that that, that, that happened. And I always say, you know, Jonathan, like I said, the Lord is still working on me. His sovereignty and His love and His goodness in my life has absolutely been realized through deep pain, right? But he's still working on me. That story with my daughter, you know, she was raised not knowing to the best of my ability. And there's a lot of pieces I won't share, you know, live. But I know that he has got it worked out in his perfect timing for me to hopefully, you know, be able to meet her. But he's still working in my heart. I, I want people to know that no matter what you've lived through, no matter the pain, no matter the hurt, no matter the heartache, that I don't think you ever ever until we see the face of Jesus, we don't ever arrive. He's always working on us. You know, so I, I always want people to know, don't ever look at someone and think that they have it all together. My life is certainly, a lot of people tell me, you look at you and you would, you would have thought you were a cheerleader and you had this great life right, and you had right. this, this. And it's no hilarious idea. what people tell yeah, you. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, maybe that's the Lord's sense of humor. Yeah, that's the, the restoration process the, maybe, right? Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, so that was really the, the early um, formative, you know, my childhood and my formative adult years. And that set the tone for the next years in my life, Jonathan. Was I going to become a product of my environment or was I going to really break those chains? and break the generational things that are involved in that, which there's very much, you know, so, yeah. We talked about this earlier, but walk us through what your, your faith journey, I mean, you talked about being away from the mm-hmm. Lord or, 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 so maybe come back to what was your first experience with, um, the Lord. yeah, the, the, the risen Christ in the, in the church and, and, the, and these things, and then kind of trace that little pattern out to k- kind of where you stopped your story. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's actually one of my favorite questions because interestingly enough, when I was living with my aunt and uncle in Texas, I came to know the Lord during those years. I lived with them between 8 and 12. And even though my aunt at the time, uh, her and my uncle are no longer together, but even though she at the time was struggling with all of these things and she had these abusive tendencies, she was also bringing me to church. So that's kind of twofolded because at first your mind is like, what? The anger and the bitterness and the hurt and all of these things, this doesn't reconcile with my little mind. And then you're bringing me to church. It makes no sense at all. But it was during those years, Jonathan, that the Lord really, really, really made himself known to me. In fact, last night as I was preparing for this interview, I was sitting in my little beanbag chair in my office, and so many things came to me just with such clarity that I haven't thought about in a long time from that time in my life, from that four-year chunk. And even though there was so much abuse in my life at that time and hurt, just deep, deep hurt, I was able to come to know Jesus during those years. And I had a little bunk bed when I lived with them in this time frame. I had a little bunk bed and I would crawl up every single night on my top bunk. Mm. And I had such anxiety from her behaviors that I would actually, as a little girl, I remember very clearly getting butterflies to go to bed. Like it was like going to an amusement park, only it was going to bed because I would get this eight hour reprieve from the stress and the anxiety. But every single night, I would literally crawl up onto my top bunk, and I would pray Psalm 23. Mm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I wrote a little side note. There is no wanting in Christ. Everything we search for in life, everything we long for, everything we, we think we want, you know, it is all all found in him. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I prayed that every single night going to bed. And it was like a blanket of the Lord's love. I never recall feeling his tangible love as much as I did Mm. at that time, that little girl. Mm. And so I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that I came to know him as a little girl. Mm. I wish I could say that I clung to that relationship and I continue to live rightfully and I continue to immerse in the scriptures and I continue to, but I didn't. 
you know, when you live a life like I've lived, I fell away and I started to develop a lot of worldly patterns. And I, I thought, okay, you know, you come through a life like this, what do you do? You're gonna be successful. And you know, I've seen this a lot. A lot of people try to heal the pain that they've lived through success. by accolades and success mm. and credentials. Mm. And there's no accolade, there's no credential, there's no success that's ever gonna give you what Jesus Christ will give you with literally just sitting before him and stilling all of, of that. And so I sought success and I sought this worthiness through things that I was doing in my life. And that's how I started out my 20s. It was like, I was, you want to talk about driven? <laughs> but driven in, you know, the Lord used it to touch people still. He's so good like that. Amen. Amen. He still used it. But. Amen. Okay, so turning the page from youth and uh, adolescence, you're now becoming an adult. Yes. Let me ask, was your, what was your dad's involvement in your life through these years? Absolutely. So my father, and this is why I was very quick to note that, um, because there is a lot of sensitivity around this with your family. When one of you is wired so transparently and, you know, others are not, <laughs> it is a hard thing to navigate too. Um, but my father was never not there, even though, you know, and this is a conversation he and I have been blessed to have. Um, my father's always loved the Lord. Um, I think that we all make decisions at times in our life, especially when we're young and we don't have that wisdom and that knowledge. Um, but my, my father always did the very best he could. And every decision he was making, he never would have made knowing of this, you know, that this was going to happen. He wouldn't have sent me to Texas to live with the aunt that was going to be. He wouldn't have done these things. But he was always there. He would always write letters. And, you know, my father was always uh, in my life in, in terms of, I always knew he loved me and it wasn't his desire. He always thought he was doing better for us. You know, he was putting me in a safe environment where I would have a female figure. And right. Right. so, and of course my two younger brothers, uh, one stayed with my father, one went to live with another family member. So yes, my father and I, and today I can tell you that we've both matured a lot in a lot of ways and we're able to have tough conversations and he loves the Lord. He seeks the Lord and and I love my father. You know, I don't ever blame anyone. I don't blame anyone. You know what, Jonathan? I didn't tell you this, but I'm going to tell you something right now. You learn lessons on forgiveness when you live a life like I've lived. And the Lord gave me the strength when I came to really rededicate my life to him in 2010 to go back and to look at the lives of those who wounded me and to try to have clarity as to that doesn't just happen. Somebody doesn't just uh, sexually abuse a person or physically abuse a person or emotionally abuse a person. If you take, right, it's, it's a pattern. And um, I was able to find out that uh, my grandfather was sexually molested as an eight-year-old little boy. No one knew that. And my grandmother didn't know it for many, 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 many years. And I was only the second person that he'd ever told. I went back to every person in my life after uh, I made amends with my grandfather. Mm. I forgave him. Mm. I forgave him. We ended up having a great relationship before he passed. Mm. He came to know the Lord. He was deeply repentant. Mm. Uh, there were so many conversations that he and I had that my family would never even know about. Jonathan, I know there are some women who are going to resonate with this. 
when you come out and say, I have been sexually abused, oftentimes there's, it's almost like a double victimization of I've been abused, but then there's the, no, I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying about it. And uh, that's almost like being, you know, you're, you're wounded just as deeply because it's like, no, this really happened. Um, but I was able to forgive my grandfather. Um, as far as my aunt, she deeply wanted children with my uncle. But in comes, you know, this little girl that in her eyes was keeping her from that. Uh, I had to live through that story. I had to live that testimony. I had to live that life before I could look back. And the Lord touched my heart to say, baby girl, these things did not just happen to you because people were whole. They were hurting too. And so he taught me lessons on love and forgiveness and that I never would have learned to the depths that I know them now. He's so good. Hurt people hurt people. Unless you let the Lord heal you. Yeah. And I mean that because I will tell you, I am completely and utterly sold out for Christ. He has done, he's done stuff in my life. I'm trying not to cry. Yeah, He's done stuff in my life (laughs) that only he can do. That he is that good. That he is a father that when these things happen to us, Jonathan, that it is not him that did it. I, I see so many people, why does a good God let bad things happen? Because we live in a sin-filled and fallen world. But I'll tell you what, if you let Jesus in, you're letting the light into that dark place. You're letting the light into that dark heart. You're letting the light into that pain. You're letting that infection come out. He removes that infection and he replaces it with this wisdom and this clarity and this love and this forgiveness that is 100% only able to come from him. And what was intended for evil is being used for good. So those experiences for you have given you insight and clarity in those particular areas, um, not only for your own insight, but then you're able to speak into a continually hurt and dying world that's looking for answers to the exact same things you were, but now you actually have an answer. Amen. An answer that brings um, wholeness and healing and really prosperity in the truest sense, not in a monetary sense, but true prosperity coming out of that in a a life that is redeemed. Yep, yep. And, you know, it's real easy to say, you know, you love the Lord and, and I, you know, I follow Christ and I and then just you know, go on about your worldly ways and, and go on stuffing down and withholding forgiveness and um, ignoring the things that you've lived through. It's real easy to do that. And it's easy to fool ourselves, you guys. It's, it's easy. Um, you know, let me give you an example, Jonathan. When the Lord called me to go back and really understand where everyone's pain came from, um, when I was about, gosh, how old was I? I think I was 36, only four years ago. I just turned 40. Um, Four years ago, five years ago, somewhere in that time frame, um, my aunt had reached out through my brother. My aunt had reached out and wanted to do dinner right here in Atlanta. She was in town. Um, she's very successful in her job and her career. I had not seen her since I boarded the plane that day. And I get this random text. Now, Jonathan, I'd convinced myself that I'd forgiven this woman. Right. I thought I'd forgiven her. Right. But this text comes through, this little text, and all of a sudden... The emotions all come Oh, up. my mm. goodness. The next week was a tough one for Alex and I. He, <laughs> I have an amazing husband. 
but it was a tough one because all of these emotions came out and this hurt and this anger and, and emotions. And that's why I say even now, even up until this point, the Lord is healing me and walking me through it. And I thought, surely she wants to ask for forgiveness. Surely she wants to apologize, surely. So Alex and I met her for dinner. That was a very courageous. I almost didn't do it, to be honest, um, but I did. And we met her for dinner. And I will tell you something. It was like the same exact woman, just nothing changed. Didn't mention anything, just, I'm so proud of you. What a beautiful life. What a wonderful husband. Very psychologically, like, it messes with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting there, and I'm literally, like, I can barely eat. And I'm thinking, my goodness, I get home that night, and I was ranting and raving. And the Lord just so clearly put it on my heart. Mm. This isn't about her. This isn't about dinner. You convinced yourself that you've forgiven, and you have not. And so I began a dialogue with her through text, and I was very honest with her. I said, here's what I remember, and I detailed it out. And I said, I just want you to acknowledge. I said, I don't, I said it was, I was nine, eight, eight when I came to live with you, nine when I accepted the Lord, but between eight and 12, I was little. I was this little girl, what, you know, happened? Mm. And she began to really Mm. explain Mm. her it doesn't make it right. Sure. The things that I've lived through, absolutely, it didn't make it right. But it gave me a lot of clarity as to why she was such a disciplinarian. Mm. And I was able to forgive her, Jonathan, mm. fully forgive her, let it go. I don't have a relationship there, but I can genuinely tell you I've 100% forgiven her. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Lord knew. Yeah. He brought her back into my life because he knew. And we can do that. Yeah. If, you're, if you're facing pain and you've convinced yourself you've forgiven and you haven't, pray about it, right? I tell people, pray about it. Yeah. The Lord will make it clear. Yeah. He'll make it clear. So you have um, this um, coming to Christ story at sort of eight, nine years old. Was there this sort of big aha moment when everything sort of clicked when you're older, 20s and 30s, whatever it is, and, and that's where you're able to go back and do the forgiveness aspect for people? Was there a, yes. a moment or was it a process? Or? There was definitely a moment. So um, in my 20s, I always say the Lord completely and utterly blessed my life. I didn't know what to pray for in a husband. When you grow up like that, you don't know attributes and qualities to seek after. They haven't been modeled for you. No, and you don't look for that, and and you don't value yourself. You don't value um, what God has given you, your body. So I didn't know what to pray for in a husband, and I'm so grateful because, you know, this is what I always tell people. As crazy as that testimony is, the Lord's sovereign hand was on my life, and he never ever for a moment let me go not for one moment i can look back now and just see his goodness and his sovereignty and his holiness all over my life all over my life you don't get through times like that without it whether you recognize it to be him or not he got me through those times and he blessed me with an absolutely incredible husband Mm. um i got married to alex in 2007 we're coming up on 14 years of marriage And I rededicated my life to Jesus in 2010, um, but I I did not know, Jonathan, the vows that I was taking with Alex. Mm -hmm. I knew that I loved my husband, but I did not 
recognize the depth of those vows and I was not healed. I had not walked through that healing journey like I needed to. I would dabble in it. I would try to, and then I would run. I would address the pain and it would hurt so bad. I would just shut off. It was like, I would try to, but I never really let myself go into that place of deep healing. The Lord used my marriage and he used my husband to teach me absolute tangible lessons on love and forgiveness and mercy. I was really wounded when I married him. Like you said, hurt people, hurt people. And I hurt my husband in our marriage. And I'll just leave it at that. But I deeply wounded Alex. Mm. And the night that everything uh, was confronted, when I wounded him, I came home that night after everything had been confronted. I ended up having a three-month emotional affair with somebody. Mm. I was not anticipating sharing it so clearly. But listen, I'm all about transparency. It's called candid conversations for a a reason. It's a candid conversation. (laughs) This is a candid one. Um, I ended up, we had a business advisor. Do you remember how I told you I chased success in in a successful business? Well, we had a business advisor that told us our business could go next level. Um, Alex and I have been in business together for 15 years this year. And I started, that motivated me. You want to talk about Let's go next level. Let's do it. And I uh, started spending way too much time with him. I did not understand about guardrails. I didn't understand about my husband didn't understand. You know, we we had this level of trust that we thought was there. And I 110 percent just should not have been doing these meetings and whatever. And it ended up being three months. I got entangled in an affair and It was the most shameful feeling Mm. because I knew with everything in my being that I am absolutely wounding the one person that the Lord gave me. And there was nothing that Alex could ever say to me. There was nothing that anyone could ever say to me that I was not saying to myself. The enemy was literally beating me down. Fortunately, my husband came to recognize that I was not being myself and he knows me very well. He knows me better than anyone next to Jesus. He knows me the best. And he started to piece things together, found out that I was wrapped up in this, this affair. And he got some friends involved to help him walk it out and to confront this affair and to confront what was going on. And this was shortly after it. I actually rededicated my life to Christ too. And I'll explain that later. But the night that he confronted me, we were having a business meeting. We were at a Starbucks. And Alex said he was sitting outside and he had his Bible. And he put his Bible literally to his heart. He just started praying. And he said, Lord, give me the courage to face this, to face them, to face him, all of it. And he came in and he confronted it. And Jonathan... um, Alex took his wedding ring off when he confronted this affair and he slid it across the table and he said, Ashley, you have one chance to tell me the truth. And if you lie to me, I will walk away. I'm done. And in that moment, I felt like I honestly felt like my head had been pulled out of water. And for the first time in three months, I could breathe. Mm -hmm. And I said, you're right. You're right. You're right. You are absolutely right. And from there, everything, it was like the Lord 
he, he not only used my marriage and my husband in, in this ugly sin, how often we look at people who sin and say, well, that's the abominable sin. That's the sin that, you know, um, well, you can forgive this, but you can't forgive that. And uh, Jonathan, that night, I came home, and it was just Alex and I. The chaos had died down. Our friends were gone. The confrontation had happened. Mm. And you want to talk about being so nervous. I was really, really nervous. And I got to my bedroom. I just wanted to crawl in a hole. And uh, Alex said, come here. And I just felt so nervous. And he said, come here. And I went into the dining room. And he sat down and he patted his lap. And he said, sit down. And I sat on his lap. And he took my face and his hands And he said, I don't know what the enemy is telling you about yourself, Mm. but this is not who you are. You are beautiful and you are chosen and you are my wife. And I don't know how we're going to get through this, but we're going to get through this. And for the next week, I was so depressed. I couldn't come out of my pajamas, canceled all my clients, wiped my schedule. And my husband cooked for me, cleaned for me, served me, loved me and reminded me of who I was in Christ. And to be honest with you, Jonathan, like really raw, mm. I've been through a lot of things. Yeah. I've never felt like I felt that night mm. as far as the shame mm. and the guilt mm. and the condemnation. Mm. And the Lord began in that ugly, 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 ugly place. And that ugly sin, he began true completely deep healing in my marriage, Mm. in my home. Mm. A lot of people don't know this, but in 2012, we sold our gym in Tampa. We sold our business. It was really successful. We sold it. We looked at each other and we said, it's you, me, and Jesus. We are selling and getting rid of anything that is blocking us. We sold our gym shortly after, um, ended up in Atlanta. We walked away from everything that was keeping us from each other and from Christ. And Jonathan, ever since then, the Lord just layer by layer, like an onion, has truly walked me through healing. And he's used my husband. He's used Alex. He's used this man as he's a very special human being. And we have strong guardrails now. Strong. Yeah. Very strong. Like Fort Knox guardrails. (laughs) You're not getting through those. So, yeah. Mm. Um, But, you know... I, I say that and I, I tell that story and I, to be quite honest, I didn't expect to tell it so transparently today, but you know what? There's a lot of people that are walking around that are going to church, that are worshiping, that are saying they love the Lord and they're stepping out on their spouses and they're hurting the people that love them the most. And my message, my message to you is you've got to lay that down. If you are, and I always tell people, if you're caught up in an affair, if you're caught up in an emotional Uh, You have got to lay that down and you have got to let the Lord truly heal you because you will run your whole life. You will search your whole life. You will look for accolades and credentials and people and things to be and do for you what only Christ can do for you. And I can genuinely tell you, genuinely, that I have everything, everything on this earth with Alex and with Jesus Christ, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Mm. And if you will truly, truly let him heal you, what he will do, what he will do. He's such a good father. He's a restorer. He's a restorer. And he does, you know what I always say, he gives you the ability, like when I stepped out and I hurt my husband so deeply 
There was a long time where I beat myself up for that. There was a very long time. And even to this day, when you sin and you're forgiven, it does not remove the consequence of sin. I sit here healed and whole and restored with a marriage that's beautiful, but when I have to recall that moment of the guilt and the shame and what I did to the one person that the Lord gave me, you know what? Forgiveness of sin does not remove consequence of sin. And there's that consequence that I'll always feel that because I love him. I love Jesus and I love my husband. Christ's scars didn't disappear. No. As the symbolism of what he had to bear for us, the scars are still present. They are. And yet they serve as a a reminder and a teacher for us. Exactly. which Which is, some people hate that, I think, but those are graces, right? Those are graces that he continually puts before us to remember. And we should accept them and and be thankful for them as hard and challenging as they are yes exactly and so in the in the midst of you're exactly right jonathan and in the midst of of all that coming out and all that being confronted you know starting the marital counseling doing all these things i'll never forget when the counselor (laughs) i still i kind of laugh about it to this day when she's like basically alex you can go home ashley we've got to get we have things to talk about (laughs) (laughs) because it was that awful circumstance that opened up the ability for me to realize, wait a second, hurt people hurt people. I am again repeating cycles. I tried so hard to break that with my daughter. Now I'm repeating it again. Do you know what I mean? So the Lord used that. He healed our marriage and simultaneously he healed my heart and he gave me the courage to go back to that, that little girl. He gave me the ability to grieve the things that I'd lived through, to, to go back and to feel, to actually feel. Because when you live through that, you stop feeling. You stop feeling because it hurts to feel. Yeah. It becomes a compartmentalization. 100%. Yeah. Oh my goodness, yes. You learn how to... You learn how to compartmentalize your life. You start chasing things that, that don't matter. Generally speaking, and I am no professional by any means, I'm just talking having lived through my life. When you go through these things, no matter, and I want to be clear, whoever's listening to this today, that maybe you didn't go through that level of um, abuse. Maybe you your life looks completely different, but what is it that brought you pain? What is it that hurts you? Because the Lord cares as much for that as he cares for me and everything I've lived through. Yeah. Never compare your pain. Never compare your pain. Because we all have our own unique stories. We all have our own things that we go through that are hard to us. But when you, when you go through that, you either become a product of your environment and you start repeating those behaviors. Or likewise, I've seen it where people go clear on the other end. They're not repeating the behaviors but they start becoming success chasers, accolade chasers. They want to be known. They want to be rewarded. They want to be talked up. And it's this clear opposite spectrum, but just as unhealthy. And I think our world says, go down one of those two tracks. 100%. Yeah. Either 100%. Li- live in your shame and your defeat and, and, and allow the, the, the cycles and the patterns to continue on or redirect. Uh, certainly the world sort of says, hey, use your pain to fuel your drive whatever it is yep but the gospel comes in and says it's neither of those exactly it's forgiveness from one and and not that drive is wrong but it's 
what is the ultimate end and the goal of that drive? What's you, pushing you and where are you headed towards? You said it. Yeah. You said it. You know, I, I said to the Lord, like uh, in my in my conversations and wrestling out my life and sitting in my little office on the floor, which is like the most comfortable place usually. And I, I pray to him and, and sometimes I find myself just worshiping or sometimes it's just talking to him about things. And you're right. You said it, that it's use my life, use everything, use the affair, the emotional affair, use, use, which is still an affair. Let me be very clear, whether it's physical or emotional, let me just nail that right there. That if you are giving your heart and your time and your anything to anybody else that is not your spouse, that's an affair. That's an affair. So you need to have strong guardrails. That's for another show probably, but I'm going to just leave that right there. Let him heal you. Just let him heal you. And, and, and I pray that to him. Use my life. Use it all. Use that. Use my testimony. Use my childhood. Use it. Um, gosh, we have covered so much. Um, uh, abuse, forgiveness, healing, marriage, uh, protections. I'm trying to p- pinpoint where to go next. Uh, you sort of alluded to this a little bit, but, but the, the, you know, the comparison game that we tend to play, yes. whether it's with fellow Christians or, or whatever. I think that is just a innate human condition. We naturally compare. We're all competitive in some, some capacity. What do you advise the women that come to you and are seeking help in whatever particular area where they're struggling? What do, what do you advise them to do in getting away from the comparison and then dealing with something directly? Yes. Um, that's a great question. You know, the biggest thing is if anything in our lives can be compared, if there's something that is, is, that has the ability to be compared, we are going to find a way to do it. We will compare our homes and our cars and our lives and our children. We compare our children. Like we will find a way to compare whatever we can compare. My message to you is to get alone with Jesus and ask him for his good and perfect will for your life. Don't ask him for what you want. Don't ask him for what you think you want. Don't ask him for what you think is best because so many times we have this picture of what we think is best. But if you ask him for his good and perfect will for your life, you are never in a more perfect place. That's right. Ever. No matter what that looks like, you are in his perfect will. So number one, get alone with him. Instead of comparing yourself to your neighbor or to the person you sit next to at church or to the people that you attend, I don't know, your child's basketball or baseball practice with, instead of comparing and comparing and comparing, get along with Jesus and say, Lord, what is it that you want to do in and through me? How do you want to use my story? How do you want to use my life? How do you want to use my pain? And I want to tell you something because there's a lot of people who've said this to me. I'm wired to be a writer and a speaker. The Lord has, has, has just created me to be extremely transparent. Um, and I've been able to share my testimony, my story in very unique, awesome ways. And that's all Jesus. But I've had a lot of women say to me, well, I don't like to speak. Or, well, what if you're not comfortable in groups? Listen, if the Lord calls you to speak to one person, maybe it's the, the lady at the checkout line. Maybe it's somebody that, that he has placed right in front of you. Then that is as holy a moment as it is standing on a stage and speaking in front of a group of people. So you let the Lord do in and through you what he has for you. Pray for that. Get along with him. It all starts with Jesus. It all ends with Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He is who you need, not me. 
people will come up to me and I'm like, I'm a literal hot mess, but for the grace of God, go open your Bible. Yeah. Go open that Bible. Yeah. He's there. Fervently. <laughs> He's not going to hide from you. No. Um, you have a health, nutrition, and fitness company with your husband, A&A Wellness. Yeah. And you also have your own ministry, Ladies Who Love Christ. Yes. I love that. Yeah. And you host a weekend radio show on Faith Talk Atlanta for women. What prompted these, uh, each of these sort of segments that, that the Lord's given you? Yes. So um, we kind of did touch on that a little bit earlier with A&A Wellness. This is Alex and I. Uh, it's our 15th year in business together. Our model shifting a little bit, which is exciting because I am stepping into ministry so much more. Mm. Um, but we started our business 15 years ago. I actually started my journey to getting healthy. I was 208 pounds. I was over 200 pounds. And I realized, oh, my goodness, um, one thing when you grow up with a lot, of abuse, yeah. you tend to eat yeah. emotions, sure, emotion, and yeah. I definitely did that. So, uh, Alex, um, I met him when I was already kind of on my weight loss journey, but he greatly accelerated it, it helped me get fit, super fit, super healthy. And he was actually pursuing becoming an orthopedic surgeon, and he comes from Eastern Europe. A lot of pressure put on you. Come here, sure. you're successful. Yeah, Popto Dorova is not a common American <laughs> last name. I can no. identify. It's a good old Bulgarian last name. <laughs> but um, we started our business. I said to him, I said, Alex, this is not what the Lord has for you. This is your strength, nutrition and health and wellness. And um, uh, about six months after that, we started our business. And 15 years later, <laughs> here we are. We're still doing the same thing. Um, Alex actually got his um, doctor of naturopathy degree. So he's a traditional naturopath. Um, so he, he does work very holistically with people. And obviously with COVID, we've exploded online. Um, so he's doing a lot of protocols and things. And um, I'm really stepping into ministry. Ladies yeah. Who Love Christ um, turns four years old today, which makes it extra special that I'm <laughs> doing uh, yeah, this Today, yeah, of course. That's four wonderful. Years, yeah, four years. Uh, and what's the format? What's that? What does that look like? Every year, Alex and I take off two to three weeks around Christmas, and we that is our planning time. That's our time to rest, to refuel, um, to plan for the next year. What worked well this year? What didn't work well? How are we going to change it up? Every single year for years, we've been doing this. And uh, four years ago, December 28th, 2016, I was sitting outside doing devotions, commentaries open everywhere, Bibles, several Bibles, notes, index cards, you name it. And I just really felt the Lord, like, you need to teach women how to do this. Yes. And so what do you do when you, you get up and you create a Facebook group? <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Good it's first comical. Step. Yeah. <laughs> I did this. I created this group. And um, 200 women a week, every week for nine months straight, were finding this group. And uh, which I love, I love that because it's only something Jesus can do. Yeah. I can never do that. Yeah. <laughs> I was not yeah. advertising. I was not marketing. Yeah. That is Jesus. And so we started to teach year-round live online Bible studies. And I provide uh, teachings. I call them mini teachings where we teach women how to press in, how to grow. This is, listen, this is the most important relationship you'll ever have. You will ever have. And, you know, so many of us are so flippant in our walk with the Lord. It's like, oh, it's Sunday. I'm going to worship the Lord. And then Monday through Saturday, live like I normally do. No, I, 
you know, and I know that the Lord is in this. I want women to grow in the most important relationship they'll ever have. So we provide tools and resources to do that. We ended up going from uh, our Facebook group. We now have our website. Um, we, in 2019 and 2020, we were able to get our 501c3 um, nonprofit status. And then we were sponsored, and wow. our sponsors made it possible for us to be on Faith Talk. And wow. so Amazing. this January marks one year that we've been on Faith Talk. Um, we've done 23 live online Bible studies, so just shy of six per year, every year. It's one every two months. Nice. Nice. <laughs> and, um, but you know what? I'm very clear, and I have to be very clear. I tell Alex all the time, and he's like, I know, but this is not anything that I am doing. I just put that on my page the other day that any success that you see from my life, any fruit that you see from my life is not me. It is Jesus. It is me seeking Jesus and praying for his good and perfect will. So I urge people to do that because so often, you know, even in ministry, you can look at someone else with a ministry and start comparing. Don't. Any moment that you spend comparing your life is a moment that you are absolutely taking your eyes off of what God has for you. How can women find you in fitness and in ministry? What's the best way to connect? So you can find us at A, like Alex and Ashley, but it's spelled out A and A wellness.com or ladies who love Christ.com. We are on YouTube. We have a great channel there with all of our teachings. Um, And then, of course, you can find us on all major podcast platforms by searching Ladies Who Love Christ. That's how you can find us. And Faith Talk, you come on. What's your time for those in the Atlanta area? Yeah, for those in the Atlanta area, we air Saturdays at 2 o'clock on AM 590 um, and Sundays at 4 on AM 970. And then after, if you miss the radio show every weekend, they're all uploaded to our podcast as well. Uh, and I sort of designed the episodes almost as a, I would love to have you on. <laughs> I Pleasure. designed them as a mini teaching in a sense. And I, I want ladies to be able to go there and to open the word and to really study the word. Um, so a lot of the studies are, you know, tips for Bible study, creating that quiet environment that's conducive to opening the word. And, you know, the, the example I give Jonathan is that 40 years ago on December 16th, had I not had all my Bibles open pouring over the word of God, had I not been in that place of stillness, I very easily could have missed. How many times do we miss God's best because we're so busy being busy? Right. It's easy to do. So we would love to connect with you. Um, And, you know, I just want to share a scripture if you don't mind. I love this. Know that God is in control. He's in control of everything. And even when you live a life that looks like it's it's chaotic and, and there's no sense or no purpose, with the Lord there is a purpose to everything. And never compare your pain. Healing is hard and forgiveness is possible with Jesus Christ. Healing is hard. It is. If someone tells you that the healing journey is easy, but let me tell you something, the fruit that the Lord will produce if you are willing to stay the course with him is ripe amazing fruit that only he can do. I love Isaiah 40 verses 12 and 13. It tells us who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. Our almighty, holy, sovereign father, 
that too. And a father who does this knows your life. Read Psalm 139. He knows your life. He knew all of your days before one came to pass. He knows what he has for you. He knows his plans for you. Seek him. Seek him. Don't seek people. Seek him. That's my message. My whole life, my testimony, all of it, it's that. It's seek Jesus. Ashley, Pope Todorova, thank you so much for coming on Candid. I wonder if I could ask you to do something for us. Could you close us in prayer? Absolutely. I would love that. And Lord, I just come before you and I thank you so much for this amazing opportunity. I thank you for the ability, Lord, to just share your goodness and share your grace and your mercy in my life. Heavenly Father, I love you so much. You know that. I love you so much. And Lord, I pray if someone's listening today that has walked through tough times, or maybe they haven't walked through through times like this, but they're wrestling out different things with you. Lord, I pray that they know how loved they are. And I pray that they know, Lord, what you will do in a heart that just longs after you and seeks after you. It's not about going out there in this world, Heavenly Father, and looking good for people. Lord, it's about walking in a right relationship with you. Lord, I thank you for your sovereignty, that you are authoritative and in control over all. And Lord, I thank you that all of the times in my life that were literally sent to kill and destroy me, you are using for such a time as this. And that is only something you can do. I pray, Lord, for the brokenhearted today. I pray for the people who've walked through loss, these challenging times we're in. Maybe they're feeling loneliness. I pray that you'll meet them in that place. I pray if somebody's struggling with comparison and having a hard time letting that down, that you will, you will touch their heart and that you will walk that out with them. Lord, give them a, a fervency to open the scriptures and to study your word. Lord, I pray if somebody I, I shared about uh, transparently about what I went through with Alex, Lord, I pray if somebody is caught up in an affair today, Lord, that you help them to get out of that, to know that that is not right, that's not walking rightly, that's not walking rightly with you. Lord, I pray that you will, anything that is destroying families, Lord, that you will just sovereignly intervene. Give them the courage and the strength to lay it down and to know that it's not right and to walk in a right relationship with you. Lord, I'm grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you. I honestly don't know where I would be without you. I have everything with you, and I thank you for what you did today. And I pray, Lord, that you take it and you use it. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Candid is a podcast from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Don't forget to connect with our social media pages on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And subscribe to Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss an episode. While there, please leave a review. It helps people to find us. As always, thank you for listening to and sharing this episode.